All right, so the last couple weeks as we've been going through Advent, which is the four weeks that lead us into Christmas, it's sort of a time of, of preparation for Christmas morning. We've been doing a sermon series on the unsung heroes of Christmas, so sort of maybe some of the minor characters that we don't necessarily always talk about when we think about the Christmas story, um, and we wanted to highlight them and show the importance of the role that they played in the story. And so, so far we've talked about Elizabeth, who is the mother of John the Baptist, and how in the Gospel of Luke, she was actually the first prophetic voice in the Gospel of Luke was um, Elizabeth, and how her faith and trust in God um, led her to have a really important role in our Christmas story. We talked about the family who hosted Mary and Joseph and Jesus during the birth um, of Jesus, and how... um, They showed radical hospitality uh, in that moment and how it challenged us to rethink how we can welcome others into our lives, into this church, and into our homes. We also talked about the shepherds who visited Jesus right after he was born and how um, God specifically invited these shepherds to come celebrate the birth of Jesus, which shows that God invites everyone to participate in these sorts of activities, not just those who have wealth or power or standing, but even the lowest of society are invited to come in and participate in Jesus's story. And so our last unsung hero, in my opinion, is our most important one. Um, And I think it's the the person that this entire story relies on and the, the person who this story was written for, and that is you or us. Everyone, um, I think, is our last unsung hero of the Christmas story. Because you are the ones who live out this story and keep it alive today, even though it was written over 2,000 years ago. So you are the ones who are responsible for sharing this story, for celebrating it, for wrestling with it, for engaging it, and for making this story a reality for our time and our place and our context here and now and today. Because once you've really wrestled with the story and once you've engaged with it sort of on a personal level or on a level, you know, sort of with this community, I think it then opens you up to the opportunity to invite others into being able to share in this story as well. And you can invite others to be a part of the Christmas story and how important it is to the work that we as a community are doing. And so, you know, I wanted to focus on the fact that we as Christians are called to be evangelical. And I know that this is a tricky word for a lot of us. I saw a few people like, oh, God, evangelical. I know this is a tricky word for us. And it's, it's been a word which has been associated with communities or people who have maybe done damage to you personally or to people you love. But the word evangelical in its Greek original form, it literally means sharing the good news. That is what the word evangelical means. It means sharing The good news. And so I think we as Christians, as progressive Christians and as a church, need to reclaim the word evangelical. And we have to do so carefully. And, you know, we have to understand the way the word impacts the world at this time. But I think at least internally and as this community, we can at least live into what it means to be truly evangelical. We can't let it become a dirty word. 
that we don't even talk about? Because evangelism is, is a really crucial part to being Christian. And I'm going to like break that down because being evangelical means inviting people in. It means being fully inclusive and being a welcoming community because it's sharing the good news with other people. And sharing is a way of inviting in, not a way of putting up walls or excluding people or saying you're not welcome or you don't fit or you're not living up to our standard. Evangelical literally means inviting as many people in as we can. And, you know, we have to understand that this word is, is a word that belongs to God. It doesn't belong to us. It does, we don't get to define what the word means because it, it was God's commandment to us to be evangelical. Jesus asked us to share the good news of his life. And this matters because, again, Jesus' birth This whole Christmas story was not meant to be sort of this private, quiet affair that happened, and then we're done with it, right? Like this, Jesus being born into this world was a revolutionary moment in human history. It was a way of God expanding our interactions with God. It was an expansive statement, and it changed the way in which God interacted with the world and the ways in which we can interact with God. And how are we supposed to keep that to ourselves? Like, how are we supposed to just, like, sit on that story and be like, okay, well, we'll just, like, think about it internally and then we'll never tell anyone else about this. Because we want to create a Christianity in this church that is expansive. And Jesus was a perfect example of how God was expansive in God's love of people. And so we want to live into that story completely. As a sort of tag along to that, I love how the book, the Gospel of Mark, ends. And I know that we're like talking about Jesus' birth and now I'm talking about like the end of Jesus' life with the end of the book of Mark. But it's all one story. It's all one overarching theme. And so the death of Jesus relates perfectly to the birth of Jesus, which relates to his life, which relates to his ministry, which relates to his activism. It's all one story. And so we can learn from the end of Jesus' story just as much as we can from the beginning. And so the book of Mark ends with three women going to visit Jesus' tomb after he has died. And they get there and they find that the tomb is empty, but there's an angel sitting there. And so the angel in Mark 16, 6, looks at the women and he says, Do not be afraid. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, the one who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Now go and tell the disciples and Peter, Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee, where you will see him just as he told you. And then the the scripture continues and says, Then the women made their way out and fled from the tomb, bewildered and trembling, but they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And that's it. That's where the Gospel of Mark ends. Now, if you read a Bible, you'll notice that there's like another chapter afterward that like ties up a nice neat bow on the story. And it's like, actually, the women did go and they told the disciples and then they hung out with Jesus and that was the story. But that was actually added like hundreds of years later by some random person who was uncomfortable with the way that the book of Mark ended. And so he or she decided to add an alternate ending that wasn't actually written by Mark. And so when you look at the story, you actually should stop it 
at the point where these women are afraid and don't tell anyone. And the reason why I really like the way that this story ends, because I think it was an intentional cliffhanger of an ending, where you're like, wait, did they like, let people know that Jesus had risen? Like, How did people find out? Like, what, what happened? And I think the reason that it ends like that is because it's an invitation to us as the reader to be the ones who continue the story. I think that it's an invitation and a challenge to us to be the ones who tell people that Jesus has indeed risen and sharing the story of Jesus' life. So I actually really like it when the story ends there and not when it gets tied up nice and neatly by someone else who is uncomfortable with that ending because I think that ending is an intentional challenge and invitation to us to be in the role of these three women and say, all right, we've got to go tell people about Jesus. And so... In the same way, I think that the Christmas story, that the birth of Jesus was meant to be one that we heard, that we digested, and then we went out and shared with others. Because the birth of Jesus is some of the best news that we can share, and because it's some of the best news that we could ever receive. Like, the idea of Jesus being born into the world is the idea that God loved us so much that God decided to become a human— So that God could interact with us in person, could interact with us one-on-one, could share a meal with us, could invite us into Jesus' life. That we could be loved more completely because Jesus showed us exactly how God loves us and how we're meant to love one another. And I don't know, to me that sounds like really, really, really good news. That's a really exciting thing for me to hear and to know. And if it's exciting and good for me to know, then I kind of want to let other people know the same thing. And again, when, we, when we're talking about being evangelical and we're talking about sharing this good news, we're not doing it in order to save people or to convert them or to proselytize or anything like that. That's not the point, and it doesn't matter. The point is that we're sharing it in order to let people know that they are loved, that they're created in the image of God just as they are. That they're not alone, that this community loves them, that you as an individual love them, and that God is there for them when they need God. That's what we're sharing. That's the good news that Jesus' birth brings into this world. It's not a news of salvation or of heaven and hell or of any of this other stuff. It's news of radical love. And that's something that I think we ought to share with people. And even if they decide that Christianity is not what they want or need or anything like that, that doesn't mean we then are like, all right, we tried, we shared, and now like we're done with them and we're going to move on to the next person. No, it just means we still are in relationship with them and we're still loving them from our side. And they'll probably love us from their side. Um, but it's, it's about just relationships and radical love And sharing with one another. And that can happen regardless of what someone's faith is. But love is sort of the underpinning for what we're sharing, right? And what the good news is that we want to get out there. And that's because, again, that's what Jesus' life was all about, in my opinion. It was about our shared humanity, not about things that divided us. Like, Jesus came to break down so many barriers that society had created to divide us. And Jesus was like, none of that matters because at the end of the day, you're a human, I'm a human, this person's a human. And so we're all going to build ourselves in community in that way. And so 
This story and this idea and this theme started on Christmas morning with Jesus' birth. And so, yes, I do think that we are called to be one of the heroes of this Christmas story. And our heroic efforts are all about how we love as a result of knowing the Christmas story. You wouldn't believe, or maybe you would, you might believe this really easily because it might be true for you. Um, how many people who I've had conversations with, when I sort of share this idea of like radical inclusive love, how many people are like, I've never heard that before. Or I didn't know that this is what Christianity could look like. Or I've been looking for a church that does this and I've never found one. And that's the good news that we're bringing to them. We're saying, yes, there is a different way in which we can do Christianity. There is a different way in which we can love and welcome and include one another. And for us, it's all rooted in the way in which Jesus lived his life. It's a radical new way of God intentionally interacting with us as individuals and with us as a community. And so we can be the ones who, again, show that this new way of Christianity, this radical way, which in my opinion shouldn't be radical because it directly reflects the story of Jesus, but it is radical to many of us, but that this is the way in which we can do Christianity and which we can love one another. Not by forcing them or coercing people or making them feel bad because of what they believe or what they've done or how they live their lives, but by sharing the story, again, of Jesus' birth and then subsequent life and subsequent death. And it's one of a story of, again, love and acceptance, which means that we're not judging people. We're not telling them that they have to believe a certain thing. We're just saying, hey, you were created in the image of God, and you are loved deeply by God. And Jesus, the story of Jesus, can help show how that's true and how we're supposed to live into that. And so that's how we tie it all into our Christmas narrative. And that's how we play the role of the unsung hero in the Christmas story and in this time of Advent and as we sort of move forward um, out of this place because, you know, 99% of our lives are lived outside of Sunday mornings. And so this is the stuff that we have to take and live into all the time. And so this Christmas, I encourage you to be a hero because that's who God's calling you to be. And that's the radical and life-changing nature of Jesus' birth on Christmas morning. So will you please join me in prayer? Gracious and loving God, we are thankful that you have invited us to be a part of your story. That you have challenged us and called us and encouraged us to be a part of a narrative of radical love and inclusion. One of hospitality and welcome. We are thankful for Jesus' life for the example that he set for us, and for the challenge that he placed on our lives to more fully live into our shared and connected humanity. So I pray that as we move forward as a community, we do so as heroes of this Christmas story. We do so as Christians who share our story because it is one of love and acceptance. And so we pray for all of these things in your holy name. Amen.